how to negotiate a lease that includes cover crops. And I know that almost all farmers rent some land. Uh, so this can be an issue, particularly if you have a landowner who doesn't understand covers or, or just simply um, is not interested in them because it kind of breaks tradition and so forth. Also, sometimes, uh, and this probably doesn't affect this group much here, but you can have landowners who want to have their cover crops being used in their land, and the tenant farmer, for whatever reason, uh, just isn't interested. But since most of us are uh, coming from the cover crop side, we, we're already using them, that's, that's pretty much where I'm going to focus on in the direction. And I have uh, five tips here on how to negotiate a lease that includes cover crops. And uh, you can see them there, just identify common grounds, show the value of covers, effective communication, following up on some of that communication. And then the last one, probably the more challenging is for absentee landlords, landlords that aren't living in the area or you never could really meet personally. Uh, so uh, that's the scope of what I'm gonna be sharing this morning. One of the things I wanna start out with is the CTIC SARE asked a, a survey that has been occurring the past number of years on cover cropping is very informative. And I would encourage uh, those of you now as we're in the winter months to take a look at that. You can just pretty much type in uh, cover crop survey and it'll come up. And, and it's uh, a lot of really, really interesting observations and interesting data out there on how cover crops are used. Um, I'll just say one thing that they send the survey out. It's voluntary, so it's it it um, you could say it's somewhat skewed from the context of overall and general agriculture because they're only uh, getting the surveys that re are returned and they typically are those who are already using cover crops, but nonetheless very insightful. Um, so here's one of the questions that they ask uh, for people to fill out. And it's basically, you can see in the pie chart there, the choices that are asked. And uh, again, this is coming from farmers who are probably using cover crops. So you need to understand that. So the question is uh, to them to respond to is, it does not make sense for me to use cover crops on land I rent. What is interesting on here, again, coming from someone who's probably already using cover crops, they don't, if you look on the left side, neutral, meaning it doesn't really matter uh, if it's rented or not, they're gonna do it. And that's primarily because they're committed and they see it, uh, the benefits and so forth. Now in the bottom right corners there of the circle, you see some people say uh, roughly 30% that it does, they, agree it does not make sense why would i invest the money in planting covers on land that i don't own or land that i don't i'll just put it in here maybe not be able to farm next year that's totally understandable um so uh this is i think very insightful to give us a little bit of background here of what we're up against when we uh, are talking about trying to practice what we preach on uh, our land that is beyond what we actually farm ourselves. So I kind of divided landlords' perception of cover crops into three different 
topics. Uh, those who support it, those who support and uh, see the value of investing in their most valuable asset, the soil. I think there's strong support of that. I would also say that most landowners that are non-farmers, they like that compelling story of soil health that cover crops has. And you could say it'd be easier maybe to convince a landowner of the value of cover crops. And primarily the reason being is because they don't have to, uh, or we're going to talk about how to, to uh, work through the expenses and so forth of, of what cover crops cost. Uh, and, and that's going to be a factor coming up here. But most landowners, when they understand the value of cover crops, they're, they're all in. Then you have some landowners who are just not supportive. Um, basically, they're more in a traditional mindset. They're uncomfortable with something growing in their fields other than cash crops. And that's totally understandable. Uh, a lot of farmers to this day still would, would be in that camp. So you have someone who has land. It could be someone who got out of farming or for whatever reason had a history of farming, had land, uh, and they, got, they inherited and they kind of have a traditional sense of what fields should look like and so forth. So having something else growing there just can't be good. Uh, and that is a mentality that is actually out there that is very real. And then there's the third group, and this, this is maybe more uh, complicated. It's those who think it's all about the money. You know, whoever is going to pay me the most to farm my land, that's who I'm going to go with. And I call that the short-term view. Um, and an example I like to give, and I do know that this has occurred, this has happened, where a cover cropping tenant, a farmer who uses cover crops, He's been planting cover crops for a few years on this landlord's property. And then you might have a neighbor in the area. He offers the landlord more money, more money per acre, knowing that the previous part farmer was banking nutrients with cover crops. In other words, a lot of the benefits that were beginning to evolve for the soil uh, aren't recognized, aren't experienced, aren't, aren't, aren't you, you can't utilize them right away. That's just the whole concept of cover cropping. So he'll go in there and particularly if it's a situation where it's been no-till and they'll run a tillage pass or two and just wake up all the biology and there'll be a flush of nutrients, there'll be a flush of biology. And yeah, you can get higher yields with very uh, lower, with lower inputs if that occasion comes. It's kind of like a, uh, it's just kind of taking advantage, I would say, of a situation. So some landowners, they just they just want to get the most out of the land. They don't really care about the long term. So these type of landowners are more difficult to deal with. But I do want to give you an example near the end of how I know one uh, farmer who uh, kind of helped to see them. It's more than just the money. Well, let's talk about the first one here, and that is to identify common ground. Number one, identify common ground. And um, I'll just say at the onset, a lot of this that I have listed out here is, is typical negotiating. Um, I don't know if I want to use the word tactics or not, but methods in order to come up with a win-win. We're always looking for the win-win in this. And uh, at least that's the perspective I'm coming from in this issue here. So what are the shared goals? 
what are the things that we pretty much all agree on if you're either the farmer or the the, the landowner and things simple things uh, popular things like increased organic matter less soil erosion everybody's all about that uh, more resilient soils that's again something that's coming as a as a product of using cover crops so we're all for that and then more particularly recently here controlling herbicide resistant weeds uh, that is something that we're seeing more and more that actually cover crops can help address that issue so when we have these things here uh, it, it gives you some things to discuss with your landlord uh, if and 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 I'll, I'll just say too that in this whole topic today you know your people, you know your area, you know the culture. Everything I say has to be filtered through what works for you, what works for your personality, what works for your personality of your landlord. And and I guess not to get uh, over psychological here, but there there is a psychology uh, in in approaching this issue. And uh, a lot of us do this every day with our our relationships or business relationships but you know be cognizant of the way your landowner is wired be cognizant of the way you're wired uh, and then that's when you can begin to communicate effectively and and to share common goals so the ability to share common uh, goals and common ground is very important now the other thing that needs to be addressed and you need to have uh, somewhat of an answer to uh, do cover crops pay because this is where uh, a farmer that's more of a veteran type in cover crops probably they don't answer they don't ask this question a whole lot because they see the benefits but the reality of it is they know it there is a cost associated with it so if you're going into a, an agreement with a landlord um, you might want to uh, ask or suggest that the landlord could help with some of the seed costs or the establishment costs uh, in growing cover crops. Now, point number two here is a long-term lease is highly recommended. So if you have a good relationship with your neighbor, um, if you uh, already have a five-year, 10-year lease, then the, uh, the first point there may not be as important. Uh, but if you're just going year to year, I would really have a serious discussion explaining the uh, the costs associated with cover crops. And uh, if, you, if you have a good uh, way of, of, uh, of putting that together and sharing with your landlord on that, I think that'll go a long way then to come to some sort of an agreement. And I'm not saying what is right and wrong here. I'm just saying that you want to think uh, about your your relationship how long term it is and and so forth in order to set yourself up for that win-win uh, situation the second point i want to make is to show the value uh, you need to convince the landowner of the value of cover crops and, and and again this is again based on everyone's different on what they know what they don't know but uh there's we're always learning uh so nobody knows it all so as appropriate, show them the soil from a cover crop field. If uh, you have one of their own fields that you can go out and look at that field, if that's an opportunity that arises sometime, uh, just say, hey, I wanna show you here what these cover crops are doing. Get your shovel, uh, use your shovel, look for earthworm activity. 
even if you can show a comparison to a nearby field or another field or or something you're trying, um, it, it's it's very this is very very uh, compelling when you're able to do something like this. Uh, to, to whatever knowledge you know, explain the biological process that, for instance, the cover crops are giving food for the earthworms and all the biological life. Seeing is believing. Think about you, how much you became committed to cover crops after you saw something. Either you saw soil on someone else's farm at a field day, you saw a soil pit, you saw a demonstration of a slate test, and you saw the soil fall apart that didn't have cover crops or was uh, subject to a lot of tillage. All those things, if you think about it, they were very, very, very impactful for what you're doing today. To whatever degree you can, show the value to the landowner in order for them to be able to better understand and then you come up with a, with a better agreement. Because if you if you are able to portray yourself as somewhat of an expert, someone of someone of that you know what you're doing, that goes a long way for most people in being able to secure a longer term lease uh, for their land. Uh, effective communication. And again, this is kind of weaved the whole way through here, uh, but I wanted to put it as a separate point because it's not just a once and done deal. Um, you want to have communicate throughout the year. Uh, explain what you're doing for their land. Uh, and then I guess the biggest point here is take advantage of a teachable moment. After a heavy rain, uh, is, is can you show that their soil and their fields was maintained? Take some pictures, send it to them, or stop by, show it to them. Um, maybe you can explain how because of this cover crop, you're able to help to control herbicide-resistant weeds. You can actually show show it to them. And, and I would even add, if you can, take time to chat even when you're busy. If you're working around there uh, and they happen to drive by or stand out there and watch you. I mean, I've had that in, you know, neighbor's field and the, and, and the guy is, uh, he just appreciates what I'm doing. He'll come out, he'll take pictures of me as I'm in the field and of me actually working in the field. And, and, and even though I'm very, very, very busy, sometimes you just hop out of the tractor, just chat a little bit or invite them to ride with you a couple rounds, whatever. I think these things all go a long way in being able to uh, have them to be a part of what you're doing. So I've shared uh, three things here. I was just curious. Uh, I'm going to open the mics up here. Any comments, any stories that any of you have uh, from what I uh, shared so far? Uh, I have a couple more things here, of course, to talk about. but. Um, I just thought if the, if I stimulated any uh, story that you wanted to share or any additional thing uh, from, from what I've talked about so far, is there anyone I'd like to share? Jack? This, this Jack. Yeah, this Jack. And, and uh, exactly the points that you have pointed out, I used several years ago, it happened to be my sister-in-law, but anyway, I've been renting ground from her and I wanted to try to get her involved in the, in the uh, cover crops. I've been doing them for, for a while and, and I, I just, it, it, she, and she's very cost conscious, just, you know, she's mm -hmm. one of those that's looking for the money. Mm -hmm. And, but in any case, you know, I, I just kept sharing whether the findings I was having on the rest of the ground that I was farming and, and showing the improvements of that. And over time was able to get her on board and, and this last four, three or four years, whatever it's been, five years, I guess, um, she's on board now and she 
participates in the in the cover crop cost as well. Good. So what do you what do you think, Jack? Tipped the scales for her. Was it a combination of things, or was it like an epiphany, a particular moment? I, I think uh, I think it was an accumulation, but I think the one that kind of maybe just pushed her over the top was a, a, a trial I was doing with Practical Farmers of Iowa, where I had uh, no cover and cover strips in mm-hmm. in the weed control part of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Well, that's. There you go. Anybody, any other examples or anything else wants, anyone else wants to share quick before we move on? Yeah, I like to uh, show soil health tests uh, as opposed to just the regular soil test. And, and it, it uh, really helps people to appreciate that there's more to the soil than just uh, the chemistry end of it. Okay, that's a good idea. Hadn't thought of that. Um, good idea there, John, from Ohio. Uh, others I see you're on Brent yeah the one thing I wanted to mention was um, in in lieu of a long-term lease one of the things that could be effective is simply have an amortization schedule so if there are improvements that are being paid for by the operator for Mm. example cover crops or nutrient accumulation um, you you can still have a uh, an an owner can still be um, in in a one-year lease and an operator can still be comfortable making improvements Mm-hmm. Uh, if those costs were were amortized and paid back to the to the operator if the lease were terminated. Hmm. Do you personally or know people who are actually doing that, Brent? Currently, we don't have any from the from the soil health perspective to where mm-hmm. uh, to to where we're we're having amortization mm-hmm. schedule on paying people mm-hmm. back for that because mm-hmm. the farms that we have engaging in that are uh, are they're getting funding from either Equip or CSP or somehow sure. the funding is being provided upfront. Mm-hmm. For those uh, for cover crops and no-till. Sure. Sure. Um, however, uh, that's just a, another thing that you know we have other things. For example, if an operator wants to put in tile, we just amortize it over however many number of years everybody can agree to, or put in a driveway, or you yeah. know make some sort of a capital improvement that helps the operator, yes. makes it better for the operator, but also sure. benefits the owner long term. We just amortize it. Yeah. Now that's a good point you brought up. Um, Equip and CSP, both programs that will help pay for cover crops where the owner is going to have to be involved in that. And um, that's that's something that uh, there you can really help to explain that to them if that opportunity comes up and um, where that that shouldn't be a very big barrier, especially if it can be some sort of some sort of a cost share. The one oh, thing that right comes right. up with CSP and EQIP is for the length of the EQIP or CSP contract, the government requires a control of land form to be signed by the owner mm-hmm. saying that, hey, I plan I plan to give this operator control of this land for sure. the term of the contract. And that the signing of that form does not require a, a long-term lease. It does not require a matching sure. length farm lease. It just requires the intent. The yeah. intent is to lease it to them for those three or sure. five years. Okay, good stuff. Okay, I'm going to move forward and we'll stop again for more questions uh, in a couple minutes. But that's great comments. I really appreciate that, uh, what you're adding to, here to it. Uh, my fourth one is follow-up. And a lot of times um, I've heard the comment that the last 10% of an agreement is always the hardest to fulfill because we're so far down the road that we just like, ah, it's okay, it's, we're, we're on the way here. But I would say that 
it is important in the context of our topic today to follow up when you have a question that may not have been answered. Uh, either get the answer back to your landlord or later on when you have the opportunity uh, to, to be able to do that. So it's kind of like keeping your promise uh, is, is, it goes a long way. And this is more on the psychological side of things, but it all helps uh, in making agreements and, and be able to, being able to get to farm the farmland we want. Uh, make a point to keep the cover crop and soil health discussion active. And I, has, I say as, it, as appropriate. Some of us get so passionate sometimes about what we what we like that we uh, actually annoy people. So uh, you're going to have to be sensitive to that. I think uh, some of us know who we are, but uh, don't annoy people with your passion. Uh, try to get a sense of what degree that they uh, they they want to really learn and want to really know. I I just I just I don't know. I just have done this over time where I've had a chance to see a landlord and uh, I'll just share with them what I'm doing. I had a one one particular one, just a very, just one little field I rented from. He was like a hobby farmer and I would explain, uh, uh, you know, the use of cover crops and no-till. And he says, you know, but don't you have to till your soil? I don't understand how you can't grow a crop without tilling your soil. And, and it took years. Um, and finally, uh, he he got it. He saw it for himself uh, in his field. But I had to show him, literally had to show him uh, to convince uh, what what I was doing because he, he saw some of it, but uh, not a whole lot of it. So um, here's a little story I want to share uh, on the follow-up. Uh, a lot of you know David Brandt from Ohio, and uh, I want to credit him with this story because uh, he's the one who shared it, where he had a neighboring farm that he was farming, and the landlord called up and said, oh, you're another neighbor over here, said he would offer me more money uh, to farm this land. And it was one of those deals where they, they knew that there's nutrients being banked in that field, and they were going to go in there and basically till it up and, uh, and, and reap the reward of that, so to speak. Well, David said, I'm coming over. I want to visit you. So he was telling, he, he said, let's let's hop in the pickup truck. Let's go over and look at the field. So he took a shovel out and did a lot of the things that I've already showed you here. But then uh, he had some wheat in that field and he planted a, a mixed species that included sunflowers. And he said for every week, he took a bouquet of sunflowers to that person's home and gave it to them and they were just amazed that those beautiful sunflowers came from their field now those of you in north dakota who grow sunflowers that may not work in your area but in areas where they never see sunflowers and they're there as a cover crop that's huge so uh the story is that uh that he was locked in from then on because he could grow these sunflowers in their person's field. They just loved the idea that their fields were getting attention to the neighborhood. Just a little story, not going to work everywhere, but it, it is, is definitely something that public perception can work in your favor uh, for that. So uh, my last is absentee landlords, and I see that, Brent, you've like, you know, one up me here a little bit. You just put in the chat that photos and videos are great for absentee landlords, landowners, yes, uh, I have here 
that they are they could be the greatest challenge uh, in that. Uh, but yeah, communicate as much as possible. And again, as appropriate, you have to know your people you're dealing with. Some some absentee landowners never see their land or rarely ever see their land. They may live far away, um, or frankly, they don't they don't really care a whole lot. But uh, sending them uh, pictures, uh, texting, uh, email, however you communicate with them, uh, is is really really effective in in doing that. So uh, don't just send them pictures of cover crops. Uh, also, your cash crops as well, because they may be worried that their cash crops aren't growing because you're planting the non-cash crop before it. Um, so uh, show them earthworm activity. There's nothing beats earthworm activity. We can see it. Um, another idea, and this, again, would be very dependent on who you're talking to, is um, maybe uh, articles you see in the Internet. You can send them a link that is maybe, depending on their knowledge, more basic information on cover crops, what they do for the soil. Or occasionally we'll see articles on the benefits of cover crops for absentee landowners. Uh, so this is just a small thing that you can do. I see Jack typed in here that he provides weekly updates to three landlords that desire them. And I think that's key there, Jack. I like what you said, that desire them. Again, you don't want to annoy people. Um, and you'll have to, you know, you know, you'll find out. You just have to be um, prudent about that. Um, so, um, and, and Jack was just clarifying, it's during the growing season. So not a lot to provide probably this time of the year. Okay, I want to open it up again. Uh, would like to hear a little bit more about absentee landowners, uh, those who, who are who just they don't live in the house by the field that you farm. How do you deal with these people? How do you convince them that you want to use cover crops? Um, does anybody else have a, a story? Uh, David, how about you in, in Illinois? One of the biggest things that we struggle with around here is the farm managers, actually. I mm. mean, when you start talking about the highest bid wins, they kind of look out for their best interests as well, mm -hmm. it appears. So mm -hmm. getting them to understand the value of soil health and cover crops is, is critical, in my opinion. That's a good point. That probably is a, could almost merit a topic on its own. Um, because, uh, you know, not every area of the country has what we would call farm managers. Uh, but in, the, in areas where there's larger farms, uh, definitely a factor uh, there. So uh, excellent point, David. Um, other comments or perspectives on, on more or the absentee land owners? Uh, how do you, what, what are some ways that you work with them that, that you have found to be effective? Jim? Uh, yeah, I'll chime in. Um, I actually work with an absentee landowner Mm -hmm. Now, this landowner lives five miles from me in Pennsylvania, uh -huh. but, the la but the land, the piece of real estate is located in Ohio. Oh. And so we're, we're, both, we're both absentees. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And we, we I, get, I basically uh, manage the ground for him. Mm -hmm. And so he recognizes what I do here in Pennsylvania as mm. as being mm. um, as being well taken care of the soil, mm -hmm. and he knows my use of 
cover mm-hmm. crops and mm-hmm. is asking for me to grow cover crops on his land in Ohio because there is the part of Ohio that uh, mm-hmm. the land is located is not mm-hmm. um, is not a high cash crop or mm-hmm. a, a cover crop area. Okay. So yes, um, that is uh, that is one thing that he's asking for. So we get the work uh, custom um, out there, but um, mm-hmm. I'm the one that calls the shots, and and mm-hmm. so we 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 meet together. Uh, twice a year and talk about uh, we just met this past Saturday morning for breakfast here and talked Mm -hmm. about what the plans are for next year and and recapping this past year. Well, that's interesting, Jim. Um, Never really heard of a a setup like that, (laughs) but good for you. Uh, That's that's great. That's a good story. Um, Anyone else have any other stories or experiences uh, or things to add here that would be helpful? Brent? Yeah, from the just want to clarify a couple of things on the um, talking about farm managers. You know, there's there are people who are like an operations manager who might manage, you know, a 30,000 acre farm. And then there are people like myself who are professional farm managers for absentee landowners. And and just like I think it was David that mentioned, you know, uh, people with different attitudes, the both types of farm managers are just a cross section of society and will have different, you know, um, judgments about whether cover crops are good or bad, but there's definitely on the professional farm manager side anyway, in my circles, uh, depending on the, on the people, you know, it really depends on who you're talking with to see if they see the value in that. And our farm management company is a small company here in Fort Dodge, Iowa. And we, we put place a high value on that and we communicate with our absentee landowners about it via monthly reports and um we've had we've had good response we've got several uh farms that were that were able to transition over to to no-till and uh and cover crops so we're we're getting a a fairly decent little response within our within our small span of control here Mm -hmm. i didn't realize brent that that's totally what you did um sounds like yeah you know you would have you know a vast amount of experience is there any other things that i might have missed uh, that you would like to add for this discussion? Well, the thing that makes our small company unique is that we, is that, you know, I'm a farmer and mm-hmm. I practice these techniques on my own family farmland. Okay. And each yep. of us here in our, in our small family owned company, we're all farmers and we're all doing no-till cover crops, mm-hmm. active in practical farmers of Iowa, mm-hmm. the Iowa nutrient reduction strategy. You know, we're, mm-hmm. we're practicing what we preach. Mm-hmm. And and talking to our absentee landowners about it, and trying to develop some buy-in there. But but like you're saying here, it takes it takes active, constant, appropriate communication, and um, mm-hmm. and it's just mm-hmm. it's not an overnight s- slam dunk. And and we do yeah. see the value in it long term because I don't think you know just renting it to the to the top bidder is is yes. um, productive long term. Yeah. I mean over the course mm-hmm. of generations. Sure, that's good stuff. No, it's it's really good, uh, Brent. That's that's uh, I'm sure that's a a, a a good niche or a need that you're fulfilling there. Uh, that's again come back to that win-win. Yeah, and if if the manager I've noticed if the farm manager doesn't farm, you know if they if they truly just manage a farm, just mm-hmm. manage farmland and don't farm themselves and don't have mm-hmm. any skin in the game, mm-hmm. 
they're you know less likely to go outside of what the local mm -hmm. elevator agronomist suggests or what the land sure. grant university suggests not surprising good okay well i'm going to wrap this up and then we'll have more opportunities for more questions um i do have one bonus here uh and and that is uh set yourself up to be asked by a landowner to use cover crops in their land and by that i mean once you establish a good reputation and so forth like like jim just mentioned his neighbor who had land a state away from him liked what he saw and wanted those practices to be employed on the land that he owns establish a reputation and uh certainly this isn't like a surefire formula that uh, your phone will be ringing off the hook to rent land if that's what you want to do but it is it is something that occurs and i can speak from personal experience uh, in the last two years i've had five landowners contacted us uh, and again we're small farm it's only totals 95 acres total but then again it's right in my community and essentially what i heard was we want you to take care of our land and um, yeah, I've been doing this for over 25 years, but it's only been recently where I've had uh, people contact me. It was kind of an interesting year in 2017. Pretty much all of this came in one year. Uh, so whether it's coincidence or not, I don't know. But uh, it, it is gratifying to have that occur. So uh, not promising you, but if you set yourself up to be considered to, to be a successful farmer with cover crops, you may get some things coming your way that uh, could could enhance your operation if that's what you uh, wanna do. So um, I wanna leave you with this. I just got this link this morning. Apparently it was just published recently from the University of Maryland and I glanced through it and uh, I'm gonna send out the link when I send out the email for the link to this webinar and on Facebook. Uh, for those of you who want more information, I just glanced through it and I thought, well, wow, this is really good stuff for the topic today. And uh, so I just wanted to make note, mention that. And I know that other states have it as well. So I would encourage you to look for uh, maybe more in your local region for some of this, uh, some of this whole thing of uh, here, the, the title of this is Agriculture Conservation Leasing. So it has to do with no-till and cover crops primarily. So uh, I'll send you a link out to that. And I'll also mention uh, next week, I'm going to kind of have a topic I fit in because the question was brought up last week or a week before, I believe it was. I still have cereal rye. Can I, can I plant it yet? And the question is, uh, the answer is, well, maybe. And I'm going to share... Uh, some of my experience of planting really, really late and how you can do it. Yes, for some, this is never going to work. Get that. But you may be surprised uh, at some of the things that people are doing to get it out there. So that's what we're going to talk about next week. And I'll just mention that the webinar is, is going to be held on <clears throat> Wednesday afternoon because I have a meeting on Tuesday. So uh, it's going to be a little different day, a different time. But um, anyway, that's what's going to be for next week. So. Just to wrap up today, uh, you had a lot of good comments and questions, but is there any more comments, questions, perspective on our topic and or any other cover crop topic that you uh, would like to ask me or those who are on the group? Any additional comments or questions from anyone?
Uh, I'll just Jim? add something, Steve. Uh, Jim Hershey here. Mm -hmm. We here in Pennsylvania also have a crop management service. Uh, we are not renting ground, but we are managing it for them. Everything from so soil testing on up through planting, harvest, and marketing the grain. We mm -hmm. have landowners now that after working with them a number of years are now uh, expecting, they are expecting us to use cover crops on their land. Mm -hmm. um, initially, it was like I had to sell them on the value mm -hmm. of cover crop and that, you know, it's going to cost them another $30 or mm -hmm. so, $30, $40 to put out a really good cover crop. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, well, now you are planning to plant a cover crop this fall, even though, you know, conditions mm -hmm. are mm -hmm. challenging. And I said, mm -hmm. that is my that is my wish and that'll be my attempt but mm -hmm. we did we did get everything covered on mm -hmm. that those those um landowners ground it's not all up but it, it did get accomplished so just to say once you can can show them uh initially what what cover crops are doing for their soil um they they get it well thanks so much for your attention um, I really do appreciate your support. Um, don't forget to check the Facebook group. There's uh, information being put on there. And don't forget, you're welcome to ask your question there if you want. And we'll look forward to seeing you next week.